You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. The Holy Ghost merely whispered in the Virgin Mary's ear and she begat the Son of God. If the devil's going to use a human wound for his spawn, he's going to want a little more bang for his buck. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. in the murder house, we escaped the asylum, we protected the coven, we attended the freak show, we checked into the hotel, we had a Roanoke nightmare, we joined the cult, now we will witness the apocalypse. Welcome to Are You Afraid Apocalypse, the unofficial American Horror Story Apocalypse podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series, Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, September 13th. 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the FX series, American Horror Story, Apocalypse. Please welcome my co-hosts, Armand Ellis. Hey, everybody. Deadly. What's up? I want a fruit cup. And Madison Fitzpatrick. I am done with the fruit squares, okay? I want something more. Those are nutritional cubes. Whatever. Yes. All right, everybody. Let's get into it. Let's jump into our recap of uh, Season 8, Episode 1, which was titled The End and aired September 12th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. After a nuclear attack, a select few must survive in a bunker dubbed Outpost 3, ruled by a tyrannical matriarch. I want to get everyone's initial reaction 
to the episode, and let's go ladies first. Maddie Fitz, what did you think of the end? The end? That's the name of the episode. Oh, oh <laughs> like, what do you mean? We just started. <laughs> oh, bud. Um, I thought it was awesome. Um, I expected a little bit more, but American Horror Story has always been in so many directions that... You know, nothing ever really makes sense until the very, very end. Um, so, lots of questions, lots of concerns, but I am loving the characters so far. Alright, I'm going to echo what you just said, uh, Madison. I liked it as well. I found the episode very cinematic, which was kind of awesome. And, and I like that it really sort of... Uh, before, you know, the opening credits, we saw the apocalypse. So, like, they took us there from the very beginning. And I'm really digging the characters, even though a majority of them are very unlikable. So, uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I am liking the two that I guess are might be our heroes, uh, at least at the moment. And uh, the supernatural stuff that happened, although very little was very intriguing so uh i liked it deadly what about you what are your initial reactions to the episode well great first episode i mean i just love the whole look of the whole thing i'm um, just the costumes the uh just the location it's so dark the you know the the clouds the nuclear winter and you know the, i love anything with masks you know those gas mask things i love uh, nu- you know, nuclear showers. What is it? Scrub downs. Yeah, it's just starting <laughs> off great. <laughs> Deadly. We need more rub downs, nuclear, to clean that off there. Or oh, was that a little thing that Kathy Bates had? I love that noise. Oh, the Geiger counter? Yeah, to see if they had any nuclear stuff on them. Yes, we're learning a lot about Deadly's fetishes <laughs> in the first episode. It's very fascinating. <laughs> I like it. Armand, what about you? What's your initial reaction to the episode? I I thought it was a great foundational episode. I have so many questions. Um, I don't think anything in particular scared me, but I did enjoy the imagery in the intro and some of the darkness that was there. Um, And then the music. That was great, too. Awesome. So, four for four, we all enjoyed it. So, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of American Horror Story Apocalypse, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. 
You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. All right, so before we get into everything apocalypse, I do want to ask a question that I feel is appropriate uh, to start off this uh, podcast uh, season. And uh, as we all know, or at least you should know if you're watching uh, this show and listening to this podcast, this season is going to be a mashup, a crossover season for the very first season of American Horror Story, which was later dubbed Murder House, and the third season, which was dubbed uh, Coven. And uh, I think Ryan Murphy did a little bit of a disservice by saying it's a crossover. What he should have called it, at least based on this first episode, is a sequel to those seasons. Um, I kept on reading all these uh, comments uh, under recaps and stuff of like, where are the witches? And I'm like, you really think they're going to show up in the first episode? So anyway, um, that was a little aside. So what I want to get from all of you is uh, out of those two, Murder House and Coven... Which do you prefer, and maybe like a brief statement why you prefer that season over the other one? And uh, since I already know his answer, I'm going to start off with Deadly. You do know it's Coven. Yeah, not just anything witchy I love. And uh, just the cast in that one was so great. I mean, starting from, of course, our Jessica Lang and... And I hear all the witches are coming back, so I can hardly wait. But I wasn't expecting them first ep- first episode, so I don't know who these people are. I'm not. I'm guessing it's going to take a while. I'm guessing maybe even like the fourth, fifth episode is when we get get to see him. I like it. A bold prediction from Deadly. <laughs> Very nice, Armand. What about you? Out of those two seasons, which one do you prefer the most? So I'm going to agree with Deadly. Uh, I love the Coven. Um, I have family in Louisiana, so I'm familiar with a lot of the culture there. Um, definitely into witches. I enjoy Jessica Lang and Angela Bassett. So I, her, that was her intro to the to the series. Angela Bassett's was for Coven, and um, I think it, it was it was it was dark. It was funny, and it had a, a, a hint of like reality to it. And so that was that was good. Maddie Fitz, what about you? You know what's funny? So the first um, season scared me the most. And, like, I love horror stuff, but I don't know why. I think it just made me so uncomfortable. Like, I think the whole, you know, 
guy in the leather suit. <laughs> Rubber man? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's so weird. The first season scared the hell out of me. And then after that, everything's been, like, I've been in love with it. But it's so weird. Like, it just made me so uncomfortable. Um, and that's why I think that Murder House was my favorite. But I love the characters in Coven. So I'm so excited for the witches to come in and just, you know, start shit. <laughs> I'm so excited for them to come in. So I'm pretty pumped to see when all the characters come out. Now this is funny because we are split down the middle. Because high five, Maddie Fitz, I agree with you. Out of the two, if I had to pick one, I would say Murder House. I feel like Murder House's plot was a little bit better like structured than Coven. I did like Coven. The Coven was fun, but the plot was kind of all over the place. And, you know, all of a sudden there are witch hunters and they never really found out what to do with the Axeman and the Minotaur left too early. So <laughs> it, it was kind of all over the place for me, even though the cast was really good, the acting was good and, and that kind of stuff. But um, as far as the scares too, Murder House and I think Asylum are, for me at least, the only like really scary seasons. Roanoke had its moments, uh, but uh, those two, the first two, are, I, think, I think are the scariest seasons as far as thrills and chills. But um, there, I just have a special place in my heart for the first season. Out of the, those two, I would pick Murder House over Coven, although both are good in their own uh, individual ways. So let's get into this episode and let's start off at the very beginning where we witness the apocalypse. Uh, we have ICBMs targeting cities across the world and we're introduced to uh, five, although four of them make it, characters. We're introduced to Mr. Gallant, I believe is how you pronounce it. I don't think they ever really said his name in the episode, but it's Evan Peters' character, Mr. Gallant, Mr. Gallant, uh, who's a, uh, a uh, hairstylist. We're introduced to Coco St. Pierre Vanderbilt. We're introduced to her assistant, Mallory, and we're introduced to Mr. Gallant's uh, grandmother, Evie. We also meet uh, Coco's uh, partner, lover, boyfriend, husband, uh, Brock, but he doesn't make it. So in the first few minutes, right before the opening credits start, we witness the apocalypse, as I mentioned, and uh, we see these four characters make it to an airplane in all the chaos, and uh, they survive the apocalypse. Apparently, Coco's uh, billionaire family has invested in this uh, program or something where we, they were going to get a, a spot in somewhere we don't know um, in these opening moments to where they can uh, survive the apocalypse so uh, let's start off by talking about this opening sequence in which our characters learn about uh, the icbm and we see these four survive it uh, let's start off with deadly come on man this starting from uh mr peters uh What's his name? Gallant? 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 I mean, right away, man. This guy is... What's that thing? What do you call when someone can just transform into anything? I don't... He's just... The guy's incredible, this actor, because I'm just thinking from from last year 
or the cult to now. I mean, just such different characters. And right away, I just knew I was going to like the, his character too. So, you know, he's cutting uh, Coco's hair, and she's funny. Um, is it Leslie Grossman? Is that her name? Yes. Her real name? No, oh, yeah. Oh my God, she's she's hilarious. I'm loving her right away. Like even when her parents were on the phone, and she's like, uh, "Bad connection, gotta go." I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, this girl. And even with her phone call to uh, to Brock, you know, she's to remember that deal we had. Uh, well, it's like you're free to see someone, other people. I mean, she, right away she just had the great like one-liners, and and even on the on the plane, you know, she's just, just, it was great. And of course, Joan Collins, who, you know, Your I'm girl. a big Joan Collins, my girl from even dynasty days, my mother looks like Joan Collins, everybody. So I'm just letting you know that. So shout out uh, to mama Lee, mama Lee. Yeah. She looks just like Joan Collins and Joan. Oh my God. Nana had some best, the best lines, you know, even on the plane looking for the stewardess and, and, just a great story. No, what did she say? Something about like, uh, this is fake news. Let me call Donald. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Just a great, great opening. And her champagne was burnt. Oh, and the champagne was burnt, which was a callback to dynasty. Yes. Any other thoughts opening the floor to the opening sequence before the opening credits? Oh my God. Okay. So, I don't know if you guys have had this yet where you guys are, but like the IBM's like the um, emergency broadcast system, I guess is what you call them. Mm -hmm. The text messages on your phone. So anyways, this happened to me like about a couple weeks ago. We had like a tornado warning um, here and I was at a restaurant and literally everyone's phone went off in the restaurant and it was such a weird moment and it felt exactly like this watching the apocalypse watching this happen and just that whole feeling of like oh my god what's going on like I totally totally feel that um but I love how American Horror Story continues to be relevant like every single thing that happens is so up to date like the fact that Coco is like oh uh it's just like what happened in Hawaii it's just a mistake like that happened like what how many months ago or like a year ago exactly. or whatever mm-hmm. right like they're so relevant still in the things that they do and the stuff that they bring up i love that because it just it makes you i don't know think about how like the things that are going on now and how this is real time especially last season when it was you know in you know 2016 or 2017 right so it was really really cool to have um you know just little comments like that and I am loving Evan Peters' character, and I'm loving Coco's character um, as it continues to go on. The one-liners coming from both of their characters, like, killed me. They're so funny, but I'm loving it so far. So I definitely uh, love the intro and the opening scene. Um, I actually live in Los Angeles, and, like, Coco is a typical Los Angeles woman. Um, very much so into, you know... Um, pop culture and what she looks like but I do feel like moving forward in the season at some point um, she's going to get serious and jump out of that and maybe potentially help save the day um, 
Did anybody uh, else know prediction from Armand? Very cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did anybody else notice when the um, news anchor was saying what was happening that he said, "I can't believe we did it." And I, I did and pick it, that yes. up, Armand. Yeah, because he said it twice. He said it twice. He said that twice. We said it. Mm-hmm. So well, they replayed it. What does that mean, Jeffrey? I was thinking we, the same. We pushed the button. We pushed the button. We started World War Three. We did it. Got it. Mm, so he's talking like maybe the USA started it. Got it. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if it was something deeper. No, it's interesting. It might be something deeper. We don't know. That's that, that mm-hmm. might be something that gets answered as the season progresses. If not, it's something that I guess we're just going to have to assume. Absolutely. It's very interesting. Really great points from everybody. I enjoyed it as well. I just loved that we were right in the middle of everything. I mean, it started off with uh, the alert, and then, I mean, no pun intended, but bam, you know, it ended with the kaboom, and we saw the mushroom (laughs) crawl out and everything. All of the characters were really interesting. Uh, Because of the trailer, you know, I kind of knew who was going to get on the plane, but like sort of like you know, the machination of, like, how everybody got on the plane was really interesting, and then the intensity of, like, the people at that airstrip basically, like, clawing their way to try to get into it, I mean, it was very realistic and disturbing, you know, and and just um, horrific, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, how human nature kind of takes over. I mean, at one point, I don't know who that was. It looked like it was a butcher that was butchering the client or something like that. You know, sometimes people's uh, worst instincts come out when they feel like it's all going to end. And and we saw a little bit of everything in those uh, first uh, few minutes. I have one other mm -hmm. question. Yes. Just like I'm, I don't know much about aviation, but I mean, so planes can fly themselves. I'm just calling me stupid, but I, I, I didn't get that. There is autopilot, and because mm-hmm. these are like rich, rich, you know, she, she, rich people, I could mm-hmm. kind of buy that this was sort of like a self flying plane that, you know, maybe has coordinates in it that it will take them specifically to a certain place so i could kind of buy it i did read a couple comments in the comment section you all will find out if you don't know this already i love looking at the comment section in various websites you know under recaps and that kind of stuff just to see what sort of like the layperson is thinking about the episodes and i did see in a couple of different websites uh, people were commenting you know was this maybe the first supernatural element you know is there was there you know something supernatural going on i kind of feel like these are rich people and they have a plane that can take them to a place with you know preset coordinates that's what i think what about everybody else well i was just concerned about you know like it looks like because of the blast the plane kind of was gonna crash or something did they crash how did they even get to... no it looked like it stabilized it looked like did it? It, it shook but then it stabilized and that's uh, when they saw the mushroom cloud because i thought they were gonna crash too but then all of a sudden it just it went back to normal right okay okay because i was like how did they even get there then <laughs> but yeah i don't know I, 
autopilot's not huge, but because I was also wondering that too. The the pilot, I guess it looked like maybe um, was the one that was shooting the gun, right? Yeah, and then he got bashed in the head with a hammer. So how did they not know that <laughs> nobody was flying the plane? Yeah, I thought that was the driver. Yeah, I thought he was just the driver too. So. Oh, okay. I thought he was gonna fly it for some reason. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Nonetheless, uh, I guess maybe we'll find out at some point. If not, uh, we'll just take it as a uh, self-flying plane. So, as we typically do uh, during a season premiere, we always talk about the opening credits. Because I feel like, with American Horror Story, the opening credits does give a little bit of a a tease, a peek into uh, what's to come. And I want to get everyone's take on the opening credits. I want to see what you all specifically noticed in it. I'll start off by saying, uh, obviously, there was a lot of uh, demonic imagery, you know, based on the season. It makes sense. And there was a lot of uh, mushroom cloud imagery as well, which, based on the season, makes sense. But I did notice snakes, and that was a theme... In the Coven season, a lot of the snake imagery, and there was something that we discussed during the Coven season. Uh, Coven was our very first season of uh, podcasting about American Horror Story. The stick demon thing in the forest, that was a shot specifically Oh my gosh! from the Coven <laughs> season. Because we always I talked about I saw that too! Yeah, I know Deadly might remember, but we always talked about, like, what is that oh, yeah. stick demon thing? <laughs> and what does that have to do with the season? Because it was just a random shot in the Coven season. And then very early into the opening credits, we see that stick demon really fast. And it's the exact same shot from the Coven season. So I thought that was fascinating. I don't know what it means, uh, but it was very interesting nonetheless. And that was the thing that really... Um, stood out for me that and also the candle because like the candle was out and then the candle lit up again and it was almost like rebirth for me at least that's how i interpreted it so um i don't know who wants to go next uh maddie you can go next did you notice anything in the opening credits i loved it i just loved everything about it (laughs) um i'm a little weird in the way that um i like um not like I would say like I'm a Satanist <laughs> or anything, oh, wow. but like I read like novels and stuff like about like demonic culture, like spiritual stuff. And, and so seeing, you know, like, um, all the, the Rams and, um, all that stuff was pretty cool. Um, and then also like one of my biggest fears are nuclear warfare. So, just seeing, like, you know, like, the old photos of the people sitting down at school or sitting down, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get blown out um, by, like, the mushroom cloud and stuff like that. I don't know. Everything was very, very cool um, about this opening. I liked how it almost looked like a storybook. Um, like, we were looking through, um, you know, like, an old uh, an old testament or an, or an old research book or, or something like that. Um it was really, really cool, and I'm super, super pumped to see how parts of Coven and the Murder House, like, that whole vibe is going to come together, and I think it was really presented well in this uh, this little teaser. Madison, Twisted Sister, who knew? 
I'm a sweet <laughs> child, I swear. I've been po podcasting with you all this time, and I did not know I had a Satanist in front of me. No! Oh my god, I'm a raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. That's <sighs> the perfect cover-up, right, Deadly? Praise, praise Jesus. Actually, no, I'm a Catholic boy, too. So Praise Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Deadly, what about you? The same things you said, Jeffrey and Maddie, but I mean, I, the whole mushroom cloud thing freaks me out. But the one thing that did piss me off a little bit is I did not see Jessica Lange's name or Joan Collins' name. I know. So that's the only thing that pissed me off. So I'm I like, I guess they they're just it, guest like, stars. Yeah, they might do it like other, they might take out somebody's name and put their name in. Like, I think I've seen that before. Um, mm -hmm. Like when Zachary Quinto was in um, Asylum, I think, they started changing out the names. But I'm not too sure. Plus, we have a lot of characters coming in this season so that's true but plus they had a lot of time there was a lot of time i'm like where are the names where are the names i was waiting like 30 seconds and there was no names the music was good though oh yeah great music yeah i oh. love when they sort of switch up the theme a little bit but it's still the same it's fantastic armand what about you anything that you noticed in the opening credits yeah there was a like really really quick visual that reminded me of the picture of the last supper Except the um, disciples looked slightly demonic, so it kind of gave me like I know we're going to be introduced to well the Antichrist at some point. So it was that 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 reference or that allusion to the Bible and like Christ that kind of resonated with me. It's a really really fast like quick picture they show. Oh, right. I'm watching it right now, and yeah, I see it. It's like in complete red, and yep. Yep. yeah, it, and they do show a lot of um, actually like um, sculptures of you know very very holy figures and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Rams, like a lot. Yeah, too. a lot of rams. Um, I think well, the, the, the rams. The most fascinating one for me um, was uh, but the mushroom cloud also, with the ram. Like, very, very yeah, like. Yeah, but just, like, the rams itself, like, are very, very heavily used in, like, like satanic worship and, and stuff like that. So, um, just to have that across with, um, like, all the mushroom clouds and and uh, even, like, the skulls and stuff, too. Like, it's, it's really cool. Very interesting. All right, listeners, if uh, you didn't pay attention to the opening credits, you should go back and rewind and watch it a couple times. It's very interesting. So uh, let's continue on with the story. And what we're going to do now is focus on two characters and their journey throughout the episode. So uh, let's meet Timothy Campbell and Emily. So uh, 40 minutes before Kaboom... We see Timothy, a high school senior, waiting for news um, on his acceptance to UCLA. He gets accepted, and as the celebration starts, you know, we learn, or I should say they learn, of what exactly is going on. They turn on the TV, their father informs them, and before they can do anything, agents of the cooperative arrive to take Timmy away apparently um, he had submitted uh, um, his uh, genetic information on an ancestry website and uh, they have picked him as an ideal candidate for survival so uh, 
he says goodbye to his family, and uh, he's taken to an undisclosed bunker where he meets a young woman named Emily, who, um, you know, she was just taken out of her cell. Apparently she was, she was protesting, she was arrested, and she was pulled out of her cell and taken to this bunker. And uh, we see from their POV when everything went kaboom. You know, the, the earth shook and everything, and they realize that uh, it's the end. And uh, we pick up two weeks later, they are being transported to Outpost 3, and there they learn a lot of uh, the rules and whatnot of what goes on in this bunker. We will discuss the um, authoritarian figureheads of uh, Outpost 3 a little bit later, but focusing on them, they learn a couple of rules. Uh, there's no copulation. They must dress in um, purple attire because they are the elites, the chosen few, selected to survive. And um, they must uh, show up for social gatherings because uh, there's nothing else to do. Timothy is the first to experience a supernatural occurrence in Outpost 3 as he gets out of the shower. Uh, for those that watch American Horror Story, you know that creepy stuff always happens in the bathroom. Uh, he finds the numbers 666 written on his mirror and uh, a ghostly voice, I should say a ghostly female voice, whispers, Beware, Timothy! And uh, we see throughout the episode that as time passes, Timothy and Emily form a bond. And uh, to be able to survive, you know, they, they end up uh, deciding to share a passionate kiss once a week. And uh, we'll get into a little bit more of what they experience a little bit uh, later on. But focusing specifically on Timothy and Emily, what did you think? What did you think of the characters? What did you think of uh, the supernatural occurrence? And uh, do you think these are some of our heroes from this season? What do we think is going on, Armand? Let's start off with you. Absolutely, I think they're going to be the heroes. Um, we already know they have a strong genetic genetic makeup, so that was brought up for a reason. So I think that's kind of foreshadowing that um, they'll be they'll be very very important to survival. I um, I anticipate that at some point they may um, get involved with some uh, uh, extracurricular activities, if you will. Um, Emily seemed very upset when Wilhelmina let, let let her know the rules that you know. Uh, they couldn't get involved with that. And as far as the supernatural occurrence, you know, I kind of wanted more from that scene. I mean, a little whisper is not uh, the, the most scary thing for me. So it would have been nice to maybe see a, 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 a vision or a, a, a face or something in the mirror. But overall, I'm excited to see how the two of them work together uh, to uh, stay alive. <laughs> that creeped deadly out, right? You did. You know that my. Are you, were you done, Armand? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm done. Like that. Okay. I think my only problem is they were going too quick with that story. Like I, I really kind of liked seeing them when they were first got to, uh, you know, the the first like lockup when okay, was so it Emily was bunker. above him, the bunker. I really liked that, and then you know those two weeks 
just they didn't show those two weeks. And so I really felt because once we saw them, it's like you didn't feel like either one of them. Like, well, Emily probably wouldn't care because she's a jail girl or whatever. And she was like protesting she at her university. She's not a jail girl. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought she was a jail girl. But <laughs> oh my god, she didn't have parents or something. Okay, so. But okay, so it even makes sense for both of them. Then, like, we didn't get to see them like dealing with loss and you know their family, and because it just seemed like Timothy was so happy all of a sudden. It's like, oh look, here here I am, and I'm an elite, and let me get this clothes on, and and we didn't get to see him like just feeling the the depths of his loss. And I mean, look at this kid, how quick things change. He was about to be a big UCLA student, and. He was hugging his mom, dad, and his baby brother, and then he's gone. I'm like, I just, I just feel like those two weeks we should have maybe had a little bit, bit more to to see. But that, that's just my little thing, Jeffrey. All right, there <laughs> might have been an Easter egg. I don't know. I read on a website mm-hmm. that uh, sort of interpreting what was going on and the names and whatnot. And uh, back in the Roanoke season lee shared a story when she was doing her one-on-one camera time of a daughter that went missing i don't know if anybody remembers this from the roanoke season deadly doesn't because he mm-hmm. hasn't seen it yet but deadly you, you, you will go binge on netflix asap i will yes mm-hmm. and uh, she goes and, and talks about like losing her daughter like i, I think she had gone to the supermarket she left her daughter in the car and when she came back her daughter was missing and her daughter's name was emily now i don't know if it means anything emily could just be a name but we all know that these seasons connect in greater ways than than not and in, in smaller ways than not as well so it will be interesting if emily ever opens up and talks about uh, maybe getting kidnapped or something like that. I, I think that would be fascinating, and that would be a neat little tie into Roanoke if they decide to do that. <laughs> and I did love her her little attitude uh, when she uh, confronted the head lady. She's like, "Oh, so you're you're not a purple? You're not an elite?" <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was I like that. Maddie Fitz, what about you before you move on? Um, one thing that I thought was really caught me off guard kind of thing. When they were in the when they were first coming to Outpost three and there was those two people outside who got shot. Mm-hmm. Um I honest to God thought that thought that was Billy Lord. Oh like, Mallory. I I thought it looked and sounded exactly like her. And she even had, like, the, the bun at the top of her head and everything. And I was like, why are they killing her right away? I don't understand. And then two minutes later, she's in the shot. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, I thought that was just you. Because it looked and it sounded exactly like her. But that was just me. I don't know if you guys thought differently. But that's who I thought it was. And I love how Emily... Yeah, she is, like, kind of calling out um, Sarah Paulson in a lot of ways. Um, but I find that she's getting more timid like as the episode went on she's getting more scared 
And I just want to say, Timothy is fine as hell. I am so happy that he is in this season. Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Maddie Fitz. Just saying. A quick shout out to Dina Mayer before we move on. Uh, She's from the Saw franchise. I love when they use horror film people. On American Horror Story or, or or other like horror series, you know, that's sort of like a, a hat tip to their horror pedigree. Uh, shout out to Scream Queens, which no longer exists, but um, but I like when they do that kind of stuff, and um, it, it was awesome and kind of weird to see her as uh, Timmy's mother um, in the opening uh, of his sequence. I like both of the characters. I do feel like they're going to be our heroes. I do feel like they will copulate, uh, much like, um, Armand uh, predicted. They will be, there will be a lot of copulation. Uh, if this is supposed to be a sequel to Murder House, uh, Murder House, I believe out of all of the series was like the most sexual one. So, uh, bring on the sex. And, um, and I did notice that about Emily as well, uh, Maddie. She started off very fierce, and then, you know, she started to get a lot more scared uh, throughout uh, the episode, which, um, you know, is appropriate, I, I guess. Um, so uh, let's continue on our journey of uh, chatting about the characters, and let's talk about the two that appear to be in charge of this facility, Wilhelmina Venable, or Ms. Venable to you, and Miriam Mead. So uh, we are immediately introduced to them. They, uh, or at least Ms. Venable, breaks down the ground rules that uh, this is a former boys' school that was converted by the cooperative, uh, a group of visionary minds uh, into a refuge. And uh, she introduces... um, our two heroes into the cast system. There are the purples, the hand-selected elites that are chosen for survival, and the greys, which are their servant counterparts that should just be grateful to uh, be allowed to live. And uh, Venable basically says that she is the face of the cooperative to them. She is their uh, physical representation. And the rules are, you cannot leave the building. It is forbidden. Once you step outside, you cannot come back in. And uh, you will die of uh, radiation poisoning, of the nuclear winter. And she also mentions, and I can't remember exactly how she calls them, the the pus people or something like that that are out there. So uh, watch out now. And sexual contact copulation is forbidden and uh, as we saw as they entered the facility two greys were killed because of that and also they have to show up on time to uh, specific social gatherings aka meals and uh, they're also introduced to the type of food that's at the facility it's a nutritional cube it's a um, a cube gelatinous looking that is filled with all of the vitamins and the minerals that the body needs to survive basically but later on we learn from venable and mead themselves that uh, 
they are making up the rules as they go along. They dress and pretend to be purples. They play cards, drink champagne. We learn that Mead is a former military agent that has worked for the cooperative for many years. And all of these sort of um, rules and sadistic punishments that they put upon the uh, survivors are at their discretion. The cooperative doesn't know about it at all. So, in general, what did you all think of Venable and Mead, two American Horror Story veterans playing them, Sarah Paulson and uh, Kathy Bates? What did you think of them? I will say to start things off, when they went into the room, I thought they were going to make out. <laughs> Me too! I was gonna say that when she took off her dress or her shawl, I was like, here we They're go! They're gonna get it. Sarah's gonna another get lesbian it. again! <laughs> Jesus! I thought they were gonna get it, but they didn't. But there were hints of it. Like, I feel sexual tension between them for some reason. Um, uh-huh. Let's be honest. So, lesbian. I don't know if they're gonna go I that think, route. But. I think that their tension is more so of being important because like i don't know just their their whole you know like feeling themselves in in the purple dresses and just feeling that power i think they're more so power hungry than lust hungry in my opinion power hungry yes they're definitely envious of the the purples like when emily said that to her like she paused and like she you could tell she bit her tongue because she probably wanted to say certain things, uh, but yeah, like I'm like, they're certainly envious of the purples, and they really enjoy making either purples or grays suffer. Yeah, the one that I thought was interesting was Kathy Bates Miriam, just because what didn't she say she knew her like Nazi history? She was all you know her father, whatever her father did, but. She said, but she's all about, you know, the people that pay her bills, the co-op. She knows who pays her bills. And so, like, she won't go too far. I think the one that might go too far is Ms. Venable, who just looks like uh, she's going to be out of control. <laughs> <laughs> but but Miriam also has her little her little partner. Who's that tall lady? Was she, wasn't she in another one of the... She was in Freak Show. She was in Freak Show. That's where I recognized her from. I was like, I know her from somewhere. They like they didn't do a lot of close-ups on her face. Like she was just yeah. kind of in the back. But I totally recognized who she was immediately. <laughs> that was amazing. That was a good callback. I love when they bring back like random people, you know, from from like you know, from from seasons past. I wish that Mapetite was there. Exactly. Come on. Shout out to Mapetite. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where those two go though, because uh, yeah, <laughs> the lesbianist stuff was. I, I saw it. I picked up on it too, Jeffrey. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was interesting. It was there, and especially when she took it off uh, and she exposed her purpleness. I was like, where are we going with this? Because it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if they're like the two kind of in charge. You know, oh my their God. power. Miriam's purple lipstick was just something else. I was like, ooh, girl. You like your hair? Like oh, that? my God. I was just about yeah. to comment on that. See? I can't. It's too dark. <laughs> it's too dark for Kathy. 
<laughs> she came out, she's like dark lipstick, you know, cut hair. I was, mm-mm, mm-mm, I wasn't feeling it. I, <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm feeling her haircut either, but I think that's probably why we got the vibes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the lesbianist? Yeah. Yeah, because of the haircut, maybe. And then when they, when she got into the room, she made a comment about, like, let's not get caught or make sure they don't see us, and so... It kind of gave me this like this forbidden thing we shouldn't be doing. We, we can't get caught doing. But I'm definitely excited to see how they interact with the cooperatives and like what, what that looks like and you know what that power struggle looks like and how they navigate it. So I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued by that. So continuing on, let's uh, meet some of our other uh, survivors. We're introduced at dinner, or I should say at cocktails, to Stu, Andre, and Dinah Stevens, a.k.a. uh, not Oprah, but like almost Oprah. Uh, And she would have been the next Oprah had she not been canceled for that telenovela. You know what I'm saying, Dudley? (laughs) Exactly. That telenovela. Yes. (laughs) I just picked up on that. I'm like, was she speaking Spanish or something? I was like, what? Fantastic. So continuing on with their journey, we'll get into uh, our airplane people in a moment. But, uh, well, actually, no, let's let's talk about our airplane people because it's going to lead into what happened. So we also see that uh, Evie, Gallant, and Coco are purples. Everyone else that I mentioned was a purple as well. And out of our four people that were on the plane, Mallory is a gray. And Mallory is not happy about it. She was like, I was on the plane too. And uh, she tells Coco that she needs to talk to Venable, but uh, Coco is terrified of Venable, so she doesn't do that. And uh, we we learn that uh, the food is depleting. They only have uh, enough cubes uh, for 18 months. And, uh, you know, everyone needs to be, uh, basically needs to fall in line. Uh, we see Coco get slapped by Venable. And, uh, at one point, uh, we learn that the radiation level is a little bit higher in the dining area. And so Mead takes out a Geiger counter and, uh, it, it's, you know, starts going around to see who's, uh, contaminated and, uh, it spikes around on Gallant, I should say, and it also spikes on Stu. And so they go get scrubbed and hosed to clean up all the radiation because, you know, one little bit of, uh, of radiation can cause lesions and death and can infect everybody. And Gallant ends up being clean, but Stu finds himself to be still contaminated. So he gets shot on the spot. We learn through their little conversation that uh, this was all a setup. Uh, Venable and, and Mead uh, were in cahoots. Hashtag cahoots for all the Scream Queens fans. And uh, apparently, you know, you can manipulate the Geiger counter. You can set it to, you know, maximum sensitivity. And, and that's how Stu was killed. Later on at dinner the next night... The survivors are surprised with a stew instead of uh, <laughs> the typical cubes. And uh, 
as they're chowing down excitedly, you know, we find a little teeth, we find a little uh, a finger bone, and everyone discovers that the stew is stew. Stew has been stewed. And everyone is disgusted, except for Evie, who finds it quite fibrous and delicious. <laughs> and so, uh, with everyone sort of at wit's end and, and trying, you know, basically um, emotional over what has happened, uh, there's music that plays, and all of a sudden the music changes, and they feel like it's a sign from the cooperative that they're going to be rescued the next day. And then we see 18 months have passed, and now all of a sudden they're eating one cube of, uh, per day, and it looks like it's even half a cube and whatnot, and, and, and things are things have turned uh, horrendous for our people. So... Let's break this all down, this storyline. Let's talk about the new people that, were, that we were introduced to. Let's talk about our people from the plane and how they've adapted to Outpost 3 and uh, the Stew Stew. I mean, come on, people. Uh, let's start off with Armand. Wow. Um, so much to, to talk about and tackle there. Let me first say, Evie and her comedic relief is going to be amazing. I think... Um, just those moments uh, where she's has those one-liners um, and she can bring some comedy to a scene. I, I definitely appreciate that. I um, thought that the relationship between Andre and Stu was um, so exaggerated. I guess, I don't know, the way Andre um, was reacting just seemed so, um, so exaggerated to me, but I thought that it was interesting that what I wonder or I question um, Wilhelmina and the fact that they, they created the stew out of stew. And I'm wondering, you know, that's not typical, typically like a, 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 a human trait that people do that, that people, you know, uh, cannibalize each other. So I'm wondering um, what darkness is going to surface that she would be, you know, um, mm. willing to do that or, you know, and be so okay with it. I, 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 it could be just simply we've been here for so long we need to eat, but it also could be uh, something deeper. I'm not sure. So that's something I thought about. That's interesting. the The thing that kind of irked me about it, and maybe we'll get a an explanation of, of it, like in a future episode. Maybe it's just going to be that they're really sadistic and they don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But I found it. It was interesting how sloppy they were. You know, they left mm -hmm. a tooth. Or maybe not purposely, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, it, it, there was a tooth, there was a bone. Like, if you really didn't want these people to know that they were eating a human, sloppy. like, you wouldn't have been that sloppy. So were you sloppy on purpose? Was this sort of like a means to terrorize the people again? Like, even though at the end of it, um, you know, they were like, but they were eating it too. They wouldn't have eaten a human. Like, it couldn't have been a human. So there was, like, doubt put into it as well. Right. It was interesting how they reacted and how they interpreted it and how they kind of, um, at least for themselves, tried to rationalize what happened. Absolutely. I just think that, I think that's going to lend itself to an example of the darkness of Wilhelmina. We'll see. I like it. Maddie Fitz, what about you? 
What is the other guy's name? Andre? Um, oh god, he needs Boo. to go. Yeah, he needs to go. <laughs> this is... <laughs> for the guys who don't know this in this podcast, uh, for me, if there's a character that is a little bit annoying or a little bit causing trouble or something like that, I get so annoyed. I'm just like, yeah, they need to go. They need to be cut. They need off the show. <laughs> Maddie so is going to guy, sacrifice Andre yeah. in one of her satanic rituals. Yes, yeah, so he's going to be the first one to go. <laughs> um, just because he's annoying. Like, of course they're going to eat people. It's the apocalypse. What do you think? Like, you know what I mean? Um, Damn, Maddie's got her cannibal cookbook I don't, ready. I'm just saying in the whole thing about um, Eve, right? That's her name? Evie. Nana. Nana. You called her Nana. Um, because I have a Nana, so I think it's so cute. Anyways, but how she's like, I'm just gonna eat every last bite. Um, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I feel like, um, she should be a much bigger character than I think that she is right now. Um, just because even when um Coco was saying, oh, like you know, she she's she got an Oscar, you know, like you know, respect her. No, she was invited to Oscar parties. Oh, well, whatever. She's friends with Natalie Wood, Jeffrey. Right. Oh, duh. Right. Her husband, I don't know if you picked up on the dialogue, but her husband was, uh, like, the head of that news network where they were doing the report. Uh, I don't know, W, whatever, some fake news channel that they had, but that that call uh, sign is is what she said when she's... um, Mm -hmm talking to her grandson when he enters and he's like didn't you watch the news and she's like you know your grandfather said you know you don't answer the calls blah 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 until the next day so it's it's interesting she comes from wealth obviously right yeah so i i feel like her character needs to be bigger than i hope you know, they don't down her. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? She should be in the I opening like, credits. I feel like yeah, I feel she's like, gonna I feel die. like her potential, mm-hmm. I feel like the potential of that character is huge. Um, I feel like they can do a lot with it. Um, yeah, she could be the constants of this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just hope that her character becomes bigger than it's let out to be. I like it. And watch out, co-hosts, because I feel like Maddie's going to cook one of us before the season's over. Whoa, <laughs> never. <laughs> Deadly. What about you? I'm right there with uh, with Maddie and Armand as far as a second scream queen, Andre, being up in this mix. He was screaming all his lines. It was He was just doing too much, so... I'm right there with you, Maddie. I think he's got to be gone. He was just doing way too much. And so, yeah, he's he's the first one voted off of Survivor Island. And uh, our girl, Nana, get some fucking perspective, Jeffrey. She should, <laughs> she should be an elite. She is an elite. Exactly. Oh, my God. Why am I getting oh my God, perspective guys, about guys. it? Guys, what if she's the next Supreme? <gasps> wow, oh my God. Nana is the Supreme. Oh, my oh God. No. Nana's the Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> I called it. I called it. I'm loving it. 
Yeah, and you know, as far as like cooking human, I've never had human guys, but you know, with did the you, bones and stuff. Did you really need to say that? <laughs> well, like I'm for just, real? <laughs> I just need to make that clear. But I, I have had a like every part of the pig, and if you put like the pig's feet in your soup, I mean, those little bones, it's hard to get rid of them. So I'm just thinking, like, if they're cooking the 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 human, it's kind of hard to you know get rid of every little bone there might be some teeth and little bones in the mix just saying just saying jeffrey all right that was interesting <laughs> i really that was it was fascinating deadly i like it no one talked about my girl she didn't really do much but i love adina porter so shout out to dinah stevens even though and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say it deadly there was at one point where deadly thought she was adina howard <laughs> and for anyone out there who knows who Adina Howard is, freak like me, freak until the day until dawn, I just thought it was funny. Uh, we did like her on Cult, though. She was great on Cult. She was very good on Cult. She was good in Roman, mm -hmm. too. That was, uh, well, no, that okay, wasn't her first, because she had a small, uh, brief uh, scene in Murder House uh, a thousand years ago. So mm. I, I like her, though. I'm glad that they're using her more often and um, that she's been fantastic. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Dinah Stevens. Um, I love her lines, how she's trying to be so optimistic and stuff like that. And just like I said, like I was saying before, Evan Peters and um, Coco, like their lines in this show are hilarious. Um, when Evan Peters, when they're sitting at the table and Evan Peters is like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Just like, just his reaction and his body language was so funny. I was laughing so hard. And then Coco, I forget what she said, but she was basically saying, like, shut up with your, like, I don't know, uh, pause, pa oh yeah, no, he said, your, your bumper sticker bullshit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my, like, lines like that, they were so funny. And I love that about American Horror Story, how, you can go from super serious and dark as shit and then go to, like, a funny thing that relates to, you know, 2018 in, like, two seconds. I I love that. It was so funny. Like, like shut up with the bumper sticker bullshit. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. That was awesome. So, continuing on. So, before we get into the end, there was a little plot point that I should mention that leads to to the end. A carrier pigeon arrives inside the perimeter bearing a message from the cooperative and uh, in the message uh, we learn that three outposts have been overrun and that they are the only civilized people left. The rest are starving or dying. So as I mentioned earlier 18 months have passed the same song is playing, and uh, everyone uh, is, uh, they, they've all lost hope, basically. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Timothy and Emily are uh, romancing each other with little kisses here and there to, you know, give themselves something to live for. And Nuclear Winter has allegedly killed off much life outside of uh, the outpost and uh, the rations are going to be rationed uh, 
and uh, only one cube per day, and it's not even that big of a cube anymore, and then all of a sudden, the perimeter alert goes off. The gates open, there's a horse-drawn carriage, and in it is Michael Langdon, an agent of the cooperative that is there basically to uh, evaluate... Be hot. <laughs> there you go. And to evaluate <laughs> the residents for possible transfer to the last remaining sanctuary uh, since uh, the others have been overrun by uh, things from the outside. And uh, in the sanctuary, there's enough supplies for, I believe he says, at least a decade, or does he say decades or something like that? For a long time, basically. We see that as he's explaining this, that Mead disposes of his horses, and uh, Michael explains that he could take any of them, all of them, or none of them, and those who do not meet his criteria will meet the same fate as his horses. Bum, bum, bum! All right, let's talk about the arrival of Michael Langdon. If you don't know who he is, uh, I'm not going to explain it to you. Maybe <laughs> one of my co-hosts will. But uh, what did you all think of Michael's arrival? What do you think it means? I think a lot of us, maybe, were thinking that this Outpost 3 was going to be on, like, the final remnants or something, or on the plot of land of the murder house, or on the plot of land of uh, the Coven's house in Louisiana. But maybe where he's going to take the people, maybe that's the last final remnant of the murder house. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know if any of you have any theories. Um, you can go into that a little bit if you want, but what did you think of the arrival of Michael Langdon? And uh, what do you think this means? What's going on? Uh, since, uh, Maddie, since you approve of him. And, <laughs> you know, we already know about your... Um, your PhD in demonology. What? <laughs> Break it down for me. Um, okay, so my mother and I watched um, Giovanni Versace, or, yeah. Gianni Versace. Gianni. I'm like, that's not his name. Oh, yes. Gianni Versace's yeah. American Ooh, Crime. Deadly did too. Yeah, okay. I'm, trying, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Maddie. It's okay. All right. Yes. Go ahead. And so initially when I first saw the the final trailer, after all those stupid little ones, um, for this season, and I saw him turn around so late, I knew immediately who he was, and I got so excited. And then the first thing I said to my mom was, Mom, look, it's your boy. And she goes, from Twilight? I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I'm like no 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 um, but it's because he has such long hair right now um, oh I from Twilight yeah. <laughs> like the movie Twilight I was like no that's, that's not him no um, but the thing that I don't really understand is his makeup like do you guys think that he has like red circles around his eyes oh or is I that noticed that yes it's very demonic yeah. 
Yeah, I was very confused about that. Um, also, like, I also one thing about the masks um, that I, I want to point out is that they're very um, World War, uh, I think, two or no, no, no. When the plague happened, um, and it goes before then, um, but they used to wear those masks um, that had really, really, really long noses. Oh. I don't know if you guys caught on that as well, but that was like one of the first things that I noticed about these masks masks is that the ones with the really really long noses um oh, that for was me it was very star wars it looked like that guy from the cantina if, if no. anyone is a star wars fan and uh, the, the image will pop into your head but yeah it reminded me of star wars but it, what you said makes more sense yeah so like the the doctors that would go into um you know, treat the vi- the victims of the plague would wear these masks, and they had really, really long noses. And so, to just to have like a creepy mask like that um, was really, really cool. Um, I felt really bad for the horses. Um, you know that they were uh, victims of radiation and then death. Mm-hmm. But and then also, someone grabbed the horses. I Did thought that guys- was just me uh, dragging the horses away. Did no, know? she was. I thought it was those people in the. Oh. In the, you know, just didn't they say there's people out there too? The pus people dealing with or whatever they yeah, Pus the people, yeah, yeah. So we didn't really, really get to see them because she was on the cliff, shoots the horses and they fall, and then you see something dragging them into the bushes. Oh. Um, okay, I just assumed so, it was her, yeah. but I will go and rewind that. Hmm. So it's it's a little odd, and it'll be interesting, but. I'm really, really intrigued about um, Michael Langdon because this is going to be a threat to um, everybody. Sarah Paulson's character, yeah, and Kathy, because, you know, they've been doing their own thing and torturing them and, you know, for a little while now doing their own thing. So it's going to be interesting having um, a more harsh character above them, someone that's threatening them. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see Sarah Paulson's character... Um, Get a little scared. Mm-hmm. And what awesome. else does that that mean, Maddie? What Jessica else does Lang. Mean? Exactly where. Okay, Austin's. I felt like that's where you were going. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? <laughs> Everything ends with Jessica Lang, the deadly. Yes, uh, that just means that, that Constance is around the corner. Our mm-hmm. queen will be Maybe arriving. Maybe Constance so. dragged them. I am going to be so excited when the witches arrive. And uh, that was also a thing that I don't know if you guys thought about how they were going to do all the characters. Because you have you know, the, the beauty thing about American Horror Story is that you have all the same actors and actresses, but different characters. How are they going to come together in one season and have all of the characters acted out? Like, did you guys think about that? Well, mm. I, I have a theory about that. Um,. I feel like, for the most part, we will probably see all of the Murder House characters in one episode. There's an episode coming up that I believe Sarah Paulson is directing that uh, should be sort of like a flashback episode about Michael's life. And I feel like that's the, the episode in which we will see like Constance and the Harmons and the actual Murder House uh, pre-Kaboom. Uh, as far as the Coven people... Um, I feel like 
we will see them sooner rather than later. Emma Roberts is in the main cast. She was listed in the opening credits. Taisa and Gabourey and uh, Lily and uh, other Covenites are not. So I feel like at least Emma Roberts, unless she's playing a different character, although wouldn't it be awesome if a resurrected Madison Montgomery is uh, Michael Langton's girlfriend? Um, Oh my god. Like, I feel like we will see Madison before the others. And uh, also, uh, Sarah Paulson is playing uh, the psychic Billy Dean, and I feel like we'll see her in uh, that episode that I was talking about that's going to be all Mm. Michael Langton related. So I don't know if they will all be in the same scene together, but um, maybe once Cordelia and the Coven Girls arrive, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll get into theories as to what's going to happen next a a little bit later. So let's focus on Michael. Any other thoughts uh, on Michael Armand? What about you? Um, Well, I mean, I definitely know that uh, he's going to be evil. And I'm, I'm just, um, I think he's going to give um, Wilhelmina a, a run for her money. Um, I'm wondering if he'll kind of treat them how they've treated the other house guests, you know? So we'll see if he's uh, just as, she might uh, like it. yeah, yeah, like that whole sadistic, let's, let's play around, tease them and scare them and torture them type of thing. I'm wondering how he's going to react with that. Is he, is he going to try any of that with them? I like it. Deadly, what about you? Not much else. I mean, I I think the actor is very cool. I did see him, too, on, uh, on Versace. And I think it was great casting. And yeah, he kind of gave me the creeps. There's something... I, I get you, Matt. He's just like, you kind of like him, but he gives you the creeps at the same time. He reminded me a little bit of Lestat. Mm-hmm. Interview. Oh yeah. Her. Mm-hmm. I see that. Yeah. Definitely that, see yeah. that, Trevor. Maybe mm-hmm. not Twilight. But um but Lestat. <laughs> is that's a little bit Stop. better. Yeah, I think so. So funny. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like this episode was almost like a prologue. It's certainly something that we needed to see. We needed to get to know these characters. We needed to uh see what happened and, and 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 get all of the setup but like once michael showed up i feel like that's where the season really started unfortunately it happened at the very end and it ended in such a weird way at least for me because i felt like there was going to be more and so i'm fast forwarding through the commercials as i am want to do and then i see the credits and i'm like did i miss something there were there was no preview for the next episode, and the episode just ended so abruptly. Like I, I was expecting more, so the the episode left me wanting more, which I guess is a really good thing. So before we get into our MVPs and uh, rating this episode, any theories? Since there were no previews there were no um there was no sneak peek for the next episode or even as they usually do and after the first episode a sort of general sneak peek for the season what do you all think is going to happen when do you think we're going to see our covenites uh do you think do you have any theories about where they are is this like a bunker under 
the um, or on the property of um, Murder House. Uh, do you think they're going to be moved to where the murder house is? What do you think this other location is going to be like? What do you think is happening? What do you think is going on? What do you think is the end game? Any bold predictions for the season, or at least for the next episode? Let's start off with uh, Deadly. Well, I just hope that uh, somebody does Coco's hair, because did you see how it was frizzed out? Oh, it was out really bad, yeah. Months? <laughs> and I want to know... Why uh, Mr. Gallant stopped doing her hair? Or was he allowed to touch his hair, her hair? Something was going on, I remember. Well, I guess he wasn't supposed to touch her hair. No, Mr. Gallant is the only one that can touch her hair. Oh, but no, but then I thought only the greys are supposed to touch her hair. I don't know what the heck is going on. Something. <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard to tell. You know, this is the first season where I just have no idea where it's going to go. It's just, It just kind of left me... Just hanging, I have no idea. I'm, but I kind of like that because, I mean, obviously I'm hoping that Constance shows up. And and like I said, I don't think we're going to see the witches until maybe the fourth or fifth episode. And, yeah, and then let's just hope maybe we see a surprise Pepper show up. That's all, all I can think Shout about. out to Pepper. She loves her <laughs> some meatloaf. She would have loved that, yes. too. Exactly. <laughs> Deadly loves oh. Pepper. <laughs> Armand, any predictions on what's to come? Any theories? I think that um, Wilhelmina and is it Marie are probably Mead. going to fall out, or they're going to have some sort of rift. I think they're not going to see eye to eye um, as time progresses, and so there might be a shift there. Also, think that at some point, I hope that Evie, you know, uh, Joan Collins' character steps up a bit. I think. Like you all were saying that she's kind of been in the background, but I'm hoping she's such a a big personality. It would be a waste to not use it. So I'm thinking at some point she's going to surprise us um, later on in, in, in the season. And that's what all I really have. It was really, I have more questions, the predictions, because it was just such a foundational episode. episode so, Maddie Fitz? All I know is that I'm here for it. <laughs> I am very excited. Um, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a huge, um, if you guys don't know, I like it when the episodes have a lot of characters in them. Like, I don't really like single character episodes because I feel like I'm losing so much time without these characters and, and in the whole season. So the fact that a bunch of seasons are coming together into one, I feel like the amount of characters that are going to be in each episode is great. And I love all of their interactions so far so i'm super super pumped um and i just can't wait for the witches to come i'm just super pumped for that i like it i share everyone's excitement for the season and i will co-sign that i genuinely have no clue what's going to happen and it feels kind of good in a sense Uh, you know anything can happen and i'm kind of here for the ride i will agree with Deadly, I feel like the Covenites aren't going to show up, at least the majority of them, until probably, I don't want to say the second half of the season, but at least close to like the midpoint of the season. I do think we're going to see Madison sooner rather than later, um, just because Emma Roberts' name is in uh, the opening credits, and uh, 
at least it hasn't been announced yet that she's playing a different character. So maybe we will see Madison mix it up sooner rather than later. Um, as far as where they are and how it um, interacts with Murder House, I don't know yet if where they are right now is the Murder House property or if they're going to be transported there. Um, you know, sort of cheating based off of the trailer. We did see, like, Rubberman around. So I don't know what that means. But uh, I am excited to see how they unite this world uh, with the murder house. Because I feel like we can maybe sort of understand how the coven will fit in. Either the coven is going to be a part of Michael Langdon, or they're going to maybe fight against him. I just don't know how the murder house is going to mix in. Besides, obviously, Michael's backstory. I feel like the actual property and Rubberman and that kind of stuff will be involved uh, in the season in a greater way besides just uh, flashbacks to Michael's uh, childhood and, and teenage years. So we will have to wait and see. But at this moment, it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one, a.k.a. no repeats. And uh, let's see, who shall go first? They will have a lot of power in their hands. Let's go with, since he's new, this is okay. his first ever podcast, Armand. Who's your MVP and why? So my MVP is Michael Langdon. I think that he his scene was short but mighty. It shifted gears a bit and um it was eerie and so now we have like something to look forward to so i think michael langdon is on mvp today all right michael langdon the antichrist is uh out of commission right now deadly who's your mvp and why all right this should surprise you but i'm gonna go with joan collins as nana that nana shocks Evie. me shocks me to my <laughs> core I mean, I was going to tell she's 85 and she was just giving it them one liners like like she always has been. Um, I mean, let, let's get some fucking perspective, people. Come on. It's Nana. It's Joan Collins, my MVP. It was fantastic. It was almost like spoken word poetry. Deadly. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> Maddie Fitz, your MVP and why? I think that I'm going to go with Evan Peters on this one um, because, A, I thought he was funny as hell. Um, B, he was smart enough to follow Coco to the plane and is like, yeah, I'm going to be like, oh, she is dumb enough to think that I'm going to fix her every single day and she'll let me on the plane which I thought was hilarious because she's like, what? what? Like, what are you talking about? You're not coming. And he's like, oh, what happened to your hair? <laughs> and then she immediately switched and was like, oh, okay, get on the plane. <laughs> right? So I thought that was hilarious. And um, just his character um, in this episode so far, he um, is a little bit aggressive and um, 
I guess, rebellious when he threw the plate and, you know, and I'm excited to see his character progress. And I feel like he might be a little bit of a lead um, when it comes to maybe the whole group rebelling um, and maybe trying to get out or Mm. something like that. So I'm kind of hoping that his character will progress a little bit more. But yeah, Evan Peters is the bomb anyway, so. I like it. All great choices. So, uh, let's see. Who's going to be my MVP? I'm going to give it to our girl, Ms. Venable. I just love when they give Sarah Paulson a very tough, hard-as-nails character. Like I feel like she usually gets the characters where she's screaming and she's crying a lot. And whenever she gets a character that is just hard as nails, is like a tough bitch, it, it just it, it makes me happy because I like seeing her in command and in power because uh, she does a really good job with it. And uh, Ms. Venable certainly is fascinating just because that whole twist in the middle of the episode in which... She's not following any rules. She's making up the rules. She's uh, deciding to torture these people because she wants to. I thought that was a really unique twist. And uh, surprising, yet uh, very fascinating. And uh, my shipper hearts ships her with um, with Mead. So we have that as well. But I just really like what uh, Sarah Paulson did. If she's going to be sort of like our villainous character this season outside of Michael Langdon then I'm here for it. I am looking forward to seeing her get her comeuppance. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Miss Venable. Like, even in, like, the teasery kind of stuff, she, it would already look like she was going to be very mysterious and very sinister. And uh, I feel like Sarah Paulson really brought it in the episode. Yeah, I'm so I'm so done with people always saying okay but is she just gonna scream and cry this whole season because i'm not watching it if she is and it's like man she it was a couple seasons where she played a weak character but she always came back and you know Mm -hmm. became the lead or she became um you know just a completely different character um so yeah i'm excited to see her in a lead as well um lead or Oh my god, I must call your legionnaire. Oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I am I am excited as as well. Did you notice her little accent? She had like a weird little, little accent going too. She's bringing it. She's bringing it, Jeffrey. She is bringing it. Mm-hmm. All right, so now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 demon babies? The point system is allowed. <laughs> and if you found the episode exceptional deserving of more than a 10 you may grant it the coveted demon's head and uh, ah yes we all know you love some demon head <laughs> deadly <laughs> demon heads are dirty yes we'll start <laughs> off with uh, our demonologist maddie fitz how would you rate this episode oh my god <laughs> um gosh okay it's a seven <laughs> I love how I spoke so highly this episode and it's a seven. Um, because I have high hopes for when characters actually start coming back into the season. Um, 
when the witches come, I'm probably going to give some nines, some tens, though. Don't know. Um, but, yeah, I'm super pumped. You know, the first episode, it is confusing because we don't know a lot uh, of what's going on yet. Um, but definitely a first good, solid, uh, you know, first episode of the season. All right. We've got seven demon babies from Maddie Fitz. I don't know if that's considered a litter. Maybe, maybe not. But it's oh it, it's a lot. It's good for Maddie Fitz. I feel I give you props for that. Armand, how would you rate this episode? So I'm giving it a seven and a half, seven point five. Um, I was very, like I said, intrigued. I'm I'm excited to see where the story is going to go. Um, however, I wasn't really frightened by anything. Um, questions a lot of questioned a lot of things. There's so much potential here when we look at the the cast and the characters and uh, Murder House and the Coven. So I know as we progress through the season, I'll give it much higher ratings, but it was just a much needed, like I keep saying, a foundational episode. And so 7.5. Beware. Not scary. Okay. (laughs) Although you are scary because you cut a demon baby in half. That was interesting. I did. Yes, you did. Maddie's crying somewhere. Deadly. How would you rate this episode? Okay, I'm not embarrassed to say it gave me a tingle. Oh. And, yes, and an there are 8. pills 5. for 8.5, <laughs> a strong 8.5. Is This one's going places. I mean, obviously, I loved some Nana. I loved the, uh, the butts and the showers getting scrubbed, chemically abraded or whatever. And, uh... Yeah, and I, I just think there's so much that could go on, and I think 8.5 is a good start. I mean, the only drawback that I didn't like, I said, just the time jumps were just way too quick. The two weeks, I'm still pissed about the two weeks we missed, another 18 months that we missed. I mean, just really jumping kind of really quick. And Andre, the screaming queen bug, but otherwise 8.5. I don't know if you saw, but Kathy Bates was all up on the booty. Oh, she was. She was up on the booty. She likes a good butt. <laughs> You've heard that? <laughs> she likes a good butt. That's too funny. So, all right. So we've got seven, seven and a half, and an eight and a half. Uh, I kind of wish that I would have gone before Deadly, because then we would have gone literally in order, because I'm going to give it an 8. <laughs> I thought it was a good uh, premiere, solid enough. It sort of laid uh, the foundations, as uh, Armand was saying, and uh, I-, I really did enjoy it. I liked getting to know the characters. I feel like we had to get to know what's going to be our quote-unquote main cast uh, uh, before like the craziness can happen. So now we know sort of like everybody, we kind of get their personalities, their quirks, uh, what sets them off, uh, what they're about. And now that Michael Langdon has arrived, shit will hit the fan, hopefully. So uh, I thought it was a decent setup episode, a nice prologue of what's to come. And so uh, for all those reasons, um, I'm going to give it eight demon babies 
So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid Apocalypse? Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PCR. Are you afraid? Follow us on Tumblr. Are you afraid? Dash A H S Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? Apocalypse and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Later. Have a great night. Good night, everyone. Scrub them. Scrub them raw. Deadly's got a tingle, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Download new episodes of Are You Afraid Apocalypse every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papichulo Radio Archives. Good night. Good night.